Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Margot Brookfield. And I'm Julia Rogers. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Today, we're bringing you a unique two-part episode featuring Journey Fleischman, a recent gapper who took on a huge challenge during her gap year. Julia, can you tell us a little bit more about what she did? Yes, I have had the absolute pleasure of getting to know Journey uh, over the past nine months, essentially, because she reached out to us earlier this year. She was a you know listener of the pod, and she told us that she was planning to hike the Pacific Crest Trail on her gap year. And she was currently, when she reached out, she was in the training portion of her planning process. And for those of you not familiar with the trail, the PCT, as it's called, is a long distance through hike on the Western US side of the country. It spans over 2,600 miles and starts kind of at the terminus between Mexico and the US and then goes all the way up into Canada. But she did just the US portion. And we both, Margot and I, loved the idea of hearing her story. But I also thought it'd be really cool to hear from her before her trek and then after her trek. So we actually did an interview before she left for the trail in February. And then we just finished her interview kind of post trail to talk about the reflections, how it all went, what was unexpected about the experience and that kind of stuff. So it's a really cool kind of before and after episode today. I am so excited to hear more about what she had to share with you, Julia. I think that is such a, as we kind of said, it's a life-changing adventure. It's something that so few people actually accomplish, especially someone of that age to go venture out on something like this. And she did it alone, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes. And she talks a lot about uh, her trail friends, her trail family that she meets along the way and how people, you know, on these through hikes kind of come together for a period of time, then go away because they have different plans or different pacing and things like that. So she did do this hike on her own, but she made a lot of friends and contacts along the way as well. That's just incredible. And um, as I'm sure many other folks might have, I know I personally got somewhat obsessed with the PCT after reading Wild. (laughs) And, you know, that was my first kind of intro into through hiking. I was not familiar with it before reading that book. And it's been something I personally romanticized for so long. And to be in, you know, that might not be a possibility for me at this point in my life, but so cool to just have accomplished something like that at that age. And what an incredible gap year option. I mean, really, really awesome. Uh, But yes, so excited to hear what Journey has to share with us. Yeah, so let's uh let's without further ado, let's hear about I really tried not to say this, but Journey's Journey. <laughs> so thanks for being here today. <laughs> thanks for listening. Hi Journey, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so we're going to get into your preparation for this big attempt at the Pacific Crest Trail. Just by way of background, the Pacific Crest Trail, otherwise known as the PCT, is a long distance hiking trail and it runs from all the way from Southern California through Oregon into Washington State and up to the border of Canada. And I guess the other thing I will say is that it is 2,653 miles long and ranges in elevation from everything from like 110 feet above sea level to... 13,000 feet above sea level, and it passes through 25 national forests and seven national parks. And it takes an average of six to eight months to complete. So that's crazy. What are you, are you crazy? (laughs) I guess. Yeah, no, but I think it's an amazing, you're already my hero for just attempting this feat, but let's start at the beginning. Why did you decide to take a gap year and how did you land on this as your kind of anchor and goal for your gap time? Yeah, for sure. Um, It's kind of funny. I was at an REI 
um, waiting for my mom to try on shoes. And I was just kind of wandering around looking at books. Um, and I picked up a book called Journeys North by Barney Scout Mann. And I started reading through it and it was all about the Pacific Crest Trail. And I was captivated instantly. And I was just kind of like, dang, I have to, I have to do this. Um, so that was my sophomore year of high school. Um, and then I think from then on out, I was kind of just starting to plan for a gap year and here we are. Yeah, and had you always known you wanted to take a gap year and this was kind of the, became like the activity that you wanted to anchor your gap year to or did it, did the PCT come first? Yeah, no, I had no idea that I had wanted to take a gap year before this came about. I'd had a couple friends take gap years, um, so I was like acquainted with them beforehand, mm -hmm. but this was this was why I decided to do a gap year in the first place. Yeah, and so we're recording this in February 2023. So you graduated in 2022, right? Yep, exactly. And you're deferred from college. Where are you going to head in the fall? Yeah, I'm going to Western Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado. Nice. Yeah. They're actually a big gap year school as far as like they support, they, they support a lot of types of experiential learning. There's actually a lot of gap year programs that get college credit through them. So that's really cool. It yeah, like a great for school. sure. Yeah. So... You've had some time between graduation and now, and I know that you've been doing, filling your time with various types of things. Like what are some of the highlights that you've been doing as you prepared for this big attempt? Yeah, um, I was in Colorado all summer. I work at a small ice cream shop there. Um, so I stayed there until um, October this year through the fall. Um, I worked at a coffee shop when I got back to Tucson, Arizona. That's where I um, went to high school and that's where I grew up. Um, I've been there since, um, and then I've been kind of taking some random trips, visiting friends, um, seeing seeing some national parks and things like that, um, so that's been recently. And then this last week, I actually just got back from getting my Wilderness First Responder certification, and so that was up in Flagstaff, Arizona, and um, it was a 10-day, 80-hour course. Um, which was super beneficial, I think, just heading out on trail, um, knowing how to deal with things that might happen when I'm out there. I just, I never wanted to be in a place where I couldn't help um, myself or help other people if there was something bad that happened out there. So yeah, that's kind of been a summary of what I've been up to in between. Yeah. And so I think it's really wise that you chose to do a wilderness first responder course. I always encourage my students to do at least a wilderness first aid, if not more, but, you know, on some time during their gap year. How did you find the actual course itself? Did you find it interesting? Because for those who aren't familiar, this is especially experiential in that they do a lot of uh, scenarios and things like that, where participants are meant to kind of put themselves in a situation where they they come upon a fellow participant who's like got a broken arm or got a concussion or gashed themselves on a trail. And you have to kind of figure out how to deal with that injury or that illness in a lower resource situation, meaning that an ambulance cannot drive up to them. So it's kind of preparing for an emergency scenario in the backcountry. So what were some of your favorite parts of that course? Yeah, um, you explained that beautifully. Um, I, one of my, it was like a favorite, least favorite sort of situation. We mm -hmm. had a night like mock rescue out in the snow from like 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, and we we hiked out there and somebody in our group in front of us you know fell and pretended to have like a compound fracture in his 
leg. Um, so we were dealing with that. And then meanwhile, I was supposed to wander off about a, an hour in um, and come back to the group and have like a pretend seizure that they had to deal with. So it was it was very interesting to just be acting like that um, and then have those scenarios happen out in the cold and the snow in the middle of the night. Like it was it was kind of wild. Um, but that was one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, and it can be it can feel really realistic when you're in those scenarios too because sometimes they'll actually like get fake blood and like put blood on people and stuff like that. Did you did you all get into it in that way? Were you that theatrical? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, there was there was another scenario where we just came upon a group of patients and there was blood all in the snow and like somebody stumbled over to me with like a tree branch that they had been impaled with. Just crazy <laughs> crazy stuff. Uh, funny, not funny. Um, yep. <laughs> but but you know, um, my husband uh, is now, he's actually on the mountain rescue team uh, here in Stowe where I live, and he's a really proficient uh, wilderness EMT and, and other things now. But when he got his original, I think it was either wilderness first aid or wilderness first responder, he had, he was coming down with something and it was during a scenario day and someone was like fake blood all over the place and passed out from just like the combination, I think of like dehydration and, and other factors. And so everyone thought that it was like a scenario that he had been, like he was pretending to like pass <laughs> out, but it was actually a real um, scenario that they had to deal with. So you never know when the real stuff is gonna pop up, right? <laughs> right, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it sounds like from your, you know, you're keeping a blog, you have a social media presence that's going to allow people to follow along on this trip. What has gone into your own research and planning process? It is a huge undertaking to do this kind of through hike. And I don't know if like the lay person really gets like how much logistics goes into this. So like, is, are you a logistics geek? Do you like that part of it? And like, what kinds of things have you been doing to prepare? Yeah, for sure. I, I am definitely a logistics geek. Um, I love, <laughs> I've loved the planning process of all of this and it really, it has been a lot. Um, and like I was saying, I found out about this my sophomore year, so I would technically be a freshman in college right now. So it's been, it's been a number of years that I've been looking into this. Um, a lot of like gear research, finding the most like ultralight for the price point for this for that um figuring out resupplying and how i'm going to go about that um just figuring out the trails that i or the towns that i'm going to come across um so there are a ridiculous amount of logistics that you do have to figure out and it's not one of those things that you know two weeks before you can be like i'm gonna start out through hike like i i don't know how anybody would do that that would be a little crazy. But yeah, it's it's been a lot of planning for sure. Yeah. And so you're starting in March and then you're, you're going to have, you're going to be on the shorter end of needing to finish if you intend to do like a through a true through hike before you start school. So have you plotted that out? Is that something that you're aiming for? Or if you have to kind of, you know, take a break and then return and finish the last leg later on, like, do you have like a goal or are you just going to see how far you get? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, so I have to be back to school, I think, orientations on the 16th of August. So I definitely have to be done by then. Um, and yeah, I, I think 
this year's a super high snow year out in the Sierras and mm. elsewhere. It's just been a lot of snow this season. Um, so that's something I'm prepared for that I might have to skip a section or a couple sections to get there. I am trying to go about it as like open-minded as I can. You know, it's not about getting to the monument on the Canada-Washington border. Like it's about the experience. Um, no pun intended at all, but it's <laughs> about the journey of it. Um, I hate I hate doing that, but I had to. Um, and yeah, so I'm trying not to be super strict about, you know, like I have to do this, this, and this, and get to this town. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be what it is out there. And I, uh, I just got to kind of roll with it. I think that's a, a pretty wise way of going about it because you really, I think that with any type of gap year travels, no matter where you go or what you do, you kind of have to prepare for the unexpected. And the less you fixate on the, like an end goal, the more you're able to like enjoy the process and enjoy the, I'm not going to say your name, uh, <laughs> but enjoy, you know, enjoy the, the things about it that, that are why you're doing it in the first place. So with that in mind, you know, what are, what are some of the things you're most looking forward to about hitting the trail? Um, I'm super excited about all the people I'm going to meet. I think it's going to be a very interesting group, a very, um, diverse kind of community out there. Mm. I think that's going to be awesome. Just meeting different people from different walks of life and different ages and everything. So that'll be really cool. Um, I'm excited to see a new scene every, every single day. Like no day is going to look the same. It's not like an out and back kind of hike where you're seeing the same, um landscape twice you know like it's different with every step which i think is awesome and mainly i'm just excited about the like time that i get to be in my own mind and just thinking and um like the simplicity of the lifestyle that i'm going to be entering into mm, yeah there is a really nice thing about the only focus of a certain experience being the daily rhythm, you know, the daily, like I need to eat, I need to, you know, move my body forward and I need to like focus on shelter. Right. Uh, I, I, I do a lot of backcountry river trips and it's kind of a similar thing. Like you kind of are moving along at a slower pace. You're completely disconnected and, and you are able to just kind of like center yourself in a different way. It's very peaceful. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've been doing a lot of training, um, and mini hikes and things like that. Um, like what, what kind of, what would have been some of your favorite highlights of the hikes that you've done to prepare for this? Recently, I haven't been doing a lot. I actually, I just got diagnosed with a stress fracture. Um, so I'm in a boot until I leave basically. Um, so very recently, not a ton of hiking, but, um, in the previous months, I, I like doing local hikes in Tucson. Um, Sabino Canyon is an area that I really have enjoyed mm. hiking in. Um, and up in Colorado, I've loved hiking some 14ers to try to get prepared. Um, I would say for me, it's less about the physical preparation and more about the mental preparation um, that goes into it. So that's been more or less what I've been thinking about recently. Actually, that was going to be my next question is, yeah. is what do you like, how are you mentally wrapping your head around this? And what have you read about being like the mental challenges of, of an attempt like this? And how are you kind of buffering yourself to prepare? More than anything, like I'm trying to prepare myself for the hard days for the for the difficult, like mental things that I'm going to encounter, you know, like, I'm kind of alone out here, or like I'm far away from everybody that I love, or 
um, those kind of things. So I'm, I'm fully aware that those are the realities that I'm going to come upon and just the realities of like the elements that I'm going to be stepping into. It's not, mm. it's not easy, um, any of this and nature, you know, it doesn't, it's not that forgiving <laughs> towards anybody. So that's um, good to keep in mind. But I'm also trying to balance that with like, well, this is really exciting and this is an amazing opportunity. So just trying to mentally prepare for the best and the worst, I guess. And I think that they kind of go hand in hand too sometimes because like I know that when if you're, you know, feeling sick or if the if it's a really rainy day where your socks are wet, it's very hard sometimes to get over the mental challenge of that kind of <laughs> physical discomfort. And I think that that's kind of a big part of being an outdoors person is being able to give yourself support when you're actually physically uncomfortable. Right, right. Preparing for it just by knowing that it's going to happen is a big uh, inoculation, I guess, against the worst of it. But like, so how do you people keep in touch on the trail? I'm not, I mean, I know that I'm more, I'm an East Coaster, so I'm a little bit more familiar with the the AT and, and the Appalachian Trail network and how you kind of can pop off into towns and things like that. What does the PC trail look like as far as how when you're in deep wilderness and when you're in more like areas where you can go into a town and get a hot meal and use internet and stuff like that. So like, can you anticipate like when you'll have those breaks? Yeah, for sure. Um, so they, there's a Garmin inReach mini. That's what I have for like, it's a saddle. Eh, yeah, it's a satellite, um, like communicator for emergencies and stuff, but it also mm-hmm. has, um, like texting capabilities. So I've got like close people, like family, I've got my boyfriend, like a couple other people on that. So that's like when I'm out and when my phone might not work. And then once I get into town, um, I am going to be doing the blog posts and like the Instagram and I'm trying to set up like a group text, you know, with close people or whatever to communicate Mm -hmm. with them. But yeah, the communication, I'm really not entirely sure how that's going to look. And you know, like on random points, like high points, um, there's service in in the wilderness, which is just funny. So I'm not really sure what that's going to look like. Yeah, well, that, I think that the having like a spot or having an, an, a satellite enabled um, emergency device is such a crucial piece of gear. So I think that that's the very good that you have that, of course. Um, yeah, for and, sure. Yeah. Um, so I do want to ask you, what three pieces of gear do you think are going to be absolutely crucial to this? And then when we talk again, I'm going to ask you that same question about like what ended up being useful. <laughs> but I'm I'm really curious about like what you think are like what pieces of gear you're just stoked on and you think you're just gonna are gonna make your journey a lot easier that's so good oh my gosh um I okay I love my sleeping bag with my whole heart it's so warm it's the REI magma 15 bag um so I'm I'm hoping that that one serves me well um my pack I would say would be the second one it's a ULA circuit um and I'm hoping that that does me it's pretty pretty good i'm hoping Mm -hmm. for that oh gosh and then this is okay this might be controversial but i a lot of people do these trails in trail running shoes and i was gonna do that for a while but my feet my feet just get so cold and if i'm anticipating like a high snow year i'm worried about my feet um so i just bought some new hiking boots um so i'm hoping that those are good. <laughs> Those would be my three. So my bag, um, my pack, and my shoes. 
Nice. Yep. It's going to be really interesting to see what what you feel like on the other end of this. You know, the, the, it's, sometimes it's the little things. You might be like, oh, my matches or my, well, right. not that you'd bring <laughs> matches, but you know what I mean? Um, the thing that got me fire or... Um, right, right. So, yep. you know, you mentioned in your blog too that, that you've thought a lot about the reasons you're doing this, but what are they? Yeah, that's that's really good. I, I oftentimes say like my first one, I, I felt... Like this gap year, I was really realizing that in high school, it just was a very like overstimulating time, like way too busy, too many things going on all at once. Um, and in contrast to that, the trail is such a simple lifestyle, such an like, it's a very easy existence, um, just kind of going through your days with that simplicity. And I think that's a really beautiful time to just think and to contemplate, like, you know, just big questions in life, like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Like, who, like, who can I be to these people out here? And like, how can I be an encouragement? And um, all of those kind of questions, I think, that we don't often give ourselves time to think about. Um, so more than anything, like, I'm just really excited for the stripped down kind of lifestyle that I'm going to be living. So that was a huge motivation for doing this. Um, and it was mainly what was so like, thrilling about thinking about doing this kind of thing. So I would say that's my main driving force for all of this. Cool. And to do this so, you know, relatively early in life, you know, no matter how far you get, you're going to be building a skill set that you can use for the rest of your life. You can do this all over the world if you so choose um, as you, you know, get into adulthood. So it's very cool. For sure. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear about how this all ended up on on the other end when you conclude this, you know, next six months or whatnot. So I just wish you the best of luck and we'll talk, you know, uh, we'll talk soon, I guess. It'll feel feel soon, but you'll you'll have moved mountains in between then. Okay, here we are on the other end, months later, of Journey's hike of the PCT, and you're here, you're here to talk about it. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm really good. I cannot wait to hear all about this. I was following along on Instagram and seeing your posts and stuff, which I was actually like really surprised at how uh, often you were able to post, but um, how are you feeling having successfully completed this amazing adventure? Yeah, totally. It's still kind of surreal, honestly. I um, I didn't necessarily envision myself being able to finish. I don't really know why. I just thought like the stats were kind of up against me, but um, got it done, made it, made it to the terminus, um, and I'm thrilled that I was able to do that. So let's let's kind of work ourselves back to that beginning part of the hike where you first were starting from, and you started from the southern spot right in southern california yep exactly yeah so let's talk about those first like days and and even weeks as you were kind of getting used to trail life like how was that in comparison to how you were kind of trying to mentally prepare for the experience and what kinds of challenges do you feel like you had to overcome during that first part of the hike i think for the first like month if not more of the hike it was very just new and exciting and everything was so novel and like I don't know everything was just exciting like something as small as filtering water to setting up my tent or you know just everything about it um I think some challenges at the beginning were more just like gear um and just trying to get comfortable like 
oh my gosh, the way that I was wearing my pack is just embarrassing at this point, like, months afterwards, or, like, I hadn't had a ton of practice setting up my tent, so, like, it was all wonky, and there were just so many little things like that to work out at the beginning that, um, looking back, you know, it became my every day um, that I had to do those kind of things, so it was super easy at the end, but, like, at the beginning, those small things were very difficult. Yeah, and it looked like from the photos that you created a lot of community on the trail as well. So who were those people that we were, they were like nebulous, nothing people at, on, during our last call, these kind of figures in our imagination of people you could meet. Who did you end up meeting and what were they like? And uh, how did, I guess, what was the community of the trail like when during different bits that you were doing? Yeah, totally. Um, so I I was super blessed with some really amazing people that I met. I I like to kind of segment my hike into two portions. So I spent basically the first half with my tramley, the, the trail family that I built, and then the second half of my hike I was pretty much entirely solo. So going back to the first part, I met most of those people at mile forty. Um, There were kind of a core group of us that formed, there were about six of us, um, and I'll I'll say their trail names, so Head Start, Twist, Dash, and Journeyman, and Mantis, so those were like my main people that I was with for a ton of the time, Um, and like throughout the first couple months, we did kind of do some leapfrogging, like we weren't all hiking in a line for, you know, weeks on end and camping together every night and it was kind of you know a little bit more fluid than that but um once we got up into the sierras it was very um you know like we were a group and we were sticking together because the conditions were so terrible up there um but yeah so that was kind of kind of my group that formed which is wild like i i definitely had a little bit of anxiety about that before trail, just wondering who the people were going to be and wondering what the community was going to be like. But overwhelmingly, it was so positive and so many incredible people that I met and some really lifelong friends that I'm going to have after this experience, which is so cool. Yeah, that is amazing. And so remind uh, the listeners uh, how long, or actually this is my clarifying question for me, how long did it end up taking you end to end? Yeah, so it took me about five months. It was 142 days. Um, And I will preface this with I did not complete every single mile of the trail. There were um, conditions and limiting factors for me. The the snow year was like at 300% snowpack in the Sierras. So when I was going through there, it became terrain that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, um, with my skill set. Um, and honestly, a lot of people were in the exact same boat and my timeline didn't really line up exactly that I could complete every single mile, but I did, um, over 2,100 miles out of the 200, 655. So, um, I made it terminus to terminus and you know what, in this weird year, I'm perfectly satisfied with that. Wow. I mean, yes, that is an incredible accomplishment and the snowpack was absolutely insane. So you mentioned that obviously the the snow conditions and it being like a huge snowpack year was a challenge. Would you consider that the biggest challenge or what were some of the challenges that you had to face and how did you end up overcoming them one way or another? Yeah, I would say um, my time up in the Sierras was the most 
physically demanding, the probably the scariest. It was just like, it was a whole different world up there. I mean, I turned nocturnal, basically. We were hiking um, at one in the morning because we wanted to get the snow conditions that were most optimal um, before the sun hit them and they become, they started to become slushy and dangerous where your ice axe won't go in, your crampons won't work. Um, the the pace at which we were going was like a mile an hour. It was exhausting. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really just like a whole nother world up there. Um, so that was very difficult, but I would say the second half of my hike was probably mentally the most difficult for me. Um, once I reached Oregon, I knew that I had to split off from my group because I knew I needed to get back for school. Um, so I'd kind of like mentally mapped it out in my head. I was like, okay, if I leave now, um, and start going really fast, um, I can make it back for school and actually make it to the end. Um, so I think a lot of mental battles happened in that second half of the hike. Um, and you know, mental versus physical is extremely different, but those were, those were definitely some challenges. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about how you, especially with those, I'm curious about like that you have like for the first half of your hike, this like trail family of people that you kind of help make it feel more manageable as like this huge endeavor. And then you don't have them and I'm sure you're still seeing other people on the trail, but how did that, how, like, how were you kind of able to persevere through kind of that more mentally challenging section of the trail? Yeah, so when I was with the group, like, we were we were kind of just killing time, waiting for the snow to melt. Like, it was not, I mean, all we could do was, like, wait and go slow. So we had a blast at the beginning. We were just hanging out in towns and chilling and, you know, taking smaller days. And then um, basically as soon as I split off, which was right around July 4th, I was like, okay, it's go time. Um, so I took on something called the Oregon Challenge, which is doing the whole state of Oregon in two weeks. Um, it's like over 500 miles or right around there. So I started picking up the pace to like 30 to 35 miles a day when previously I was at around 20. Um, so like having to wake up every single day and know that I need to make those kind of miles to reach my goal is so daunting at the beginning of the day. Um, and then by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, okay, that was, that was an accomplishment. And then you wake up and do it all over again. Um, I didn't take any zero days in Oregon or Washington until the very end. I took one in between, um, those two states, but like, it was just go, 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 go. Um, so very different, um, types of hiking from with the group at the beginning to on my own. You really had to tackle that that trail. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, what, a, so the PCT has such a diverse range of landscapes and ecosystems, and I'm sure that the, the just the physical beauty was absolutely amazing, but I'm also kind of curious about the wildlife. Like what wildlife did you see or what, what was your experience with the land? Washington was overwhelmingly my most favorite. It was stunning. There was this one section called the Goat Rocks Wilderness, um, and it just brought me to tears, like, so many times I would walk around a corner and just start crying. Like, it was just stunning. Um, I saw, let's see, I saw some mountain goats. I had a baby bear dart out in front of me. Um, saw some foxes. 
Um, right, one of my last days on trail, I saw a gigantic bear. Um, so that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, like I, it was, it's cool to feel so interconnected with the landscape and the wilderness around you. Yeah, that is, it, that is so special. And it's such a like communal, or I shouldn't say like, it's, it's such an opportunity to commune with nature. What do you feel like that amount of solitude in nature gave you? Do you feel different as a result of having spent that much time in the wilderness? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I, I don't really know like how I, how I couldn't after that. I had so much, um, time just to think and to really commune with nature and creation um, and just like reflect on my life and reflect on people and the things around me and you know big concepts and I just had a lot of time to think like I I think that was another huge challenge was just silencing my mind sometimes that was difficult um, and yeah I mean it's an it's an interesting thing to be by yourself for that amount of time with such little distraction and such like one like single-minded purpose just walking going um but yeah I I do feel more deeply connected to myself and to nature mm. did you have any strategies for passing that time if you weren't just like letting your mind completely wander if you had to like kind of maintain like some control I guess like it's almost like a meditative experience or something like that but did you have like literally like mantras or songs or like how did you how did you pass the time in those quiet moments yeah um I definitely like I downloaded some audiobooks and music obviously which was great um but you know you gotta conserve your phone battery too like that was a huge part of my navigation so there's like some give and, give and take on that I would try to limit that to the afternoons when I was just kind of feeling like a slog, you know? Um, but yeah, like if I, <laughs> if I was scared or something, I had a really kind of sketchy experience up on this ridge at some point. It was called the Knife's Edge. Um, and it was like a pretty severe drop off on either side, which is uncharacteristic of the PCT. Um, but it was so windy and super foggy and I couldn't see anything. And I was just screaming at myself like, you can do it. You can do it. You're fine. So like there was definitely some self-talk, not always that intense, but you know, I would talk to myself a little bit like a crazy person. Um, but definitely nice when people would pass by. Um, I liked seeing all the Southbounders, um, which was a huge part of trail this year because people were flipping and flopping all around because of the conditions. So Lots of um, good interactions like that too. So, um, so on the on the trail, like, are there a lot of designated uh, like campsites? Um, I know that. So, I guess like I'm asking about like the actual like logistical setup. When you arrived at a campsite, most nights were you sometimes alone, not usually alone. Like, who who tended to be like there when you laid your head down at night? Yeah, it definitely depended. Um, the second half of trail, like, I, they want you to camp on designated camp spots because, you know, like, you don't want to be disturbing the forest floors anywhere and you just want to be, like, creating the least amount of impact as possible. So, um, oftentimes there were people, um, I had many, many nights where I was completely alone, um, but oftentimes there were people, you know, I, I knew that there would be somebody a couple miles in either direction if, if something were to go wrong, I suppose. But um, yeah, kind of kind of a good mix. 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we talked about in the first interview, um, which listeners will have just heard, is that you did your wilderness first aid course as part of your prep. Um, did you end up needing to use the skills you learned or how did it how did that inform some of your risk management tactics while you were on the trail? Yeah, totally. I mean, the woofer was awesome and it was definitely in the forefront of my mind. You know, if I were to come across um, something with myself or somebody else. Um, needing help. Um, I never had to do anything very serious with that. Um, you know, random scrapes and cuts and twisted ankles and such, but you know, nothing, nothing severe. Thank goodness. Um, I'm, I'm not mad that I didn't have to use any of that, but it's good to have that in the forefront of your mind, I believe, just going into those kind of unknown situations. Oh, for sure. I'm really glad that you had the foresight to do that as well. Um, let's talk about gear. Cause we talked about gear a little bit on the, on the front end of like all the things you were thinking about as far as like what types of gear, how to like pare things down because you're carrying everything on your back day in and day out. So my question is what three pieces of gear were actually the most helpful to you on the trail? And were you surprised by the ones that you kept going back to and leaned on throughout your journey? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't exactly remember what I told you to begin with that I thought would be my three, but um, my tent was awesome. It was so light. It was solid, um, very waterproof in the storms that I experienced. Um, and up in the Sierras, honestly, it was also fantastic. It kept me warm. Um, so Gossamer Gear, the one. Thank you. Um, my sleeping bag would be my other piece of gear. It was the REI Magma 15. Um, it kept me so warm. It was like perfect. Um, the only malfunction I had with that, the zipper ended up breaking towards the end and I spilled DEET all over it. So I ended up having to sleep with the foot box to my face because the face area had the DEET on it. It was, it was kind of tragic, but it was only like the last week. So it was okay. Um, and then my sleeping pad. So I switched from like one of the blow up ones to just the foldable, like it kind of looks like a yoga mat. Um, and I'm so glad that I did that. It was just so much easier and I could like sit on it for breaks. And I mean, it felt like you were literally on the ground, which I essentially was, but I'm a really hard sleeper. So it was fine. Um, but yeah, those would be my three pieces of gear that I just loved. It makes sense. Those are like basically your home. <laughs> yeah, totally. So um, that's really funny that you mentioned like the blow up, the blow up uh, pads because like that's what we camp with. And I have to say like it's my least favorite part of camping is having to either blow them up or let the air out in the morning. I just hate it. I hate it. It's my least favorite ta- like task of camping. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So let's talk a little bit more about now, like fully out of your gap year, you're at school. So as a reflection of like your gap year as a whole, you know, how do you feel like this gap year has shaped you? And what do you feel like is different about the journey of last year at this time versus who you are right now? Yeah, um, I definitely, I mean, I am a different person after this gap year. Um, I talk to a lot of people at school now, a lot of my new friends and they're, you know, I'm sensing like a, like a purposelessness and like a burnout and just kind of, you know, like, like why am I in college sort of thing. And I feel very deeply that I am exactly where I want to be. And I know that it's exactly where I should be um, because I gave myself 
the time to not jump right into school and to take a gap year and to explore and to let myself mature and meet people. Um, and just all of the experiences that I had during the gap year, um, I feel like really have integrally shaped who I am right now. Um, I feel definitely like a better version of myself than I would have been if I had just jumped straight into school. So um, I don't regret anything about the gap year. Um, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always pretty. Um, I didn't always know what I was doing. I kind of felt like just a I don't know, just like a plant in the wind, just not really knowing what I'm doing. Um, but I am really thankful for all of the experiences during that time. I think in a lot of ways, you're actually a model gap year student because you you chose a, a big, like kind of meaty goal to work towards. And then you methodically kind of tackled the lead up to that action. Like you were working and training and doing all these things to prepare. And then you were well prepared as much as you could be for the actual challenge of the experience. And then you, you know, you put yourself out there, you, you stretched your comfort zone and you, um, I can imagine how you feel so much different from that because I think a lot of the things that I hear from students who've taken gap time is on the other end of it. They're like, well, I did that. Everything else is going to be a lot easier. So, um, it's totally understandable that you would uh, feel like a better version of yourself as a result of your particular, you know, type of gap year and how self-directed you particularly had to be to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Yeah, totally. So I think that I wanted to, you know, start wrapping this up by just asking you um, what advice you have for people who are also taking gap time and want to tackle a through hike like this, whether it's PCT or, or something similar. What are your pearls of wisdom to share with, with potential through hikers? I don't know. I wish somebody had told me or really just dialed it into my head, like your plan will not go the way that you think it will. Um, I'm a planner. I love having control over things. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn. Like I literally had no choice was that I am not in control of this. I'm not in control of the weather, the situations, anything. Um, so going with the flow out there um, is going to be huge. And, you know, you, you feel like you can plan and you feel like you can do all of that prep work but honestly like you are at the mercy of nature and that is kind of a terrifying but beautiful truth um so yeah I would say just go out there get it um don't plan because you really won't be able to <laughs> well you you I to, to to push back a little bit like you planned a lot and you need to plan a lot so that you can break your plan right like if you went into it like without any like preparation at all you'd probably get eaten up by the trail would you not oh absolutely yeah I would say do your prep work um but once you're out there yeah <laughs> no plan <laughs> gotcha so and then um okay so that's really good advice any more any like practical tips about the PCT in general especially for like younger hikers um who maybe haven't done a through hike before or people who are just like maybe like you were like kind of worried about like finding people or meeting people or spending time with themselves. Um, anything to share on that front? Yeah, I think something I learned kind of on a deeper level, there's, there's a term that gets thrown around in the through hiking community. It's just hike your own hike. And I love that. And I do really resonate with that. And I stand by that. But I think I learned that on a deeper level, like no, I don't have to go into this town if my group wants to. Or, like, if I don't want to stop here, I can keep going. Like, I 
I genuinely, I feel like people get really wrapped up in the trail family culture um, and, like, having to stick with these people and feeling, like, this weird guilt and, like, no, do do your own thing. If you're having a bad day, take it easy. Like, if you're having a great day, do, like, just do exactly what you want to do. Like, this is the one or one of the very few places and spaces in life where you can genuinely have that kind of freedom to do whatever you would like. Um, and I say go for it. I I think that that's probably my biggest piece of advice for any potential through hiker. That's really good advice. And um, and remind me, remind the listeners your trail name. Um, did you have it before your hike, by the way, or did you get it on the hike? I technically had it before the hike. My parents um, and I kind of came up with it, but mini chimmy, like a mini chimichanga. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah congratulations again mini chimmy (laughs) i appreciate it so um we're gonna wrap up here and thank you so much for everyone who is listening today and following us along this feels like of all the episodes i've ever recorded like the longest time coming since we had like the before and after um you can find gap your radio on instagram at gap your radio or online at gap your radio podcast.com and you can find Journey and uh, Journey's uh, travel diaries at on Instagram at mypctjourney. And then uh, she also authored a bunch of blogs on thetrek.co. So check those out as well. And you can also email us your gap your questions or comments at gapyourradio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover the show. For now, we'll just say goodbye, see you later, and a big, like, amazing congratulations for you on this accomplishment. And I wish you the best of luck in college. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.